And the reason why I'm calling the meeting to order at 5 o'clock is because we have a former counselor in the press gallery and we want to show them how meetings, meetings, uh, that meetings in today's day and age are run punctually and on time. Nothing's changed. <laughs> So, um, Councilors should have in front of them a copy of the agenda. Are there uh, any uh, additions to the agenda, Mr. Parker? There are none. There are none, Your Worship. And uh, I will ask the next question, even though it's somewhat uh, redundant. Uh, any deletions? Uh, yes, the uh, check presentation mayor's challenge. Oh, that <laughs> <been deleted. laughs> Is that because you're frightened with the challenge that you may have to cut anti up in the challenge? I'm very frightened, sir. Very, very frightened. Great. Uh, motion to accept the agenda as presented. Mr. Ford, all in favor? Passed. Minutes of the April 23rd, 2019 regular council meeting. Your Worship, I had a look at them when I would uh, suggest uh, we adopt those minutes with the correction on motion 1904-121. And if you were to insert uh, Councillor Needham in that uh, text, I would be happy and I would propose we accept the minutes as written. Very good. It's uh, 1904-121. So did you make a motion on that? I did. All in favor? Uh, that takes us uh, to the next section of the agenda. Are there any public hearings, Mr. Parker? There are one. Uh, there is one uh, public hearing on bylaw 2044, offsite levy bylaw. Very good. Uh, and let's proceed with that. I understand we have a uh, format that we go through. So I will. So I require a motion to open a, this public hearing. So can I get a motion? Mr. Good. So Mr. Good is moving that council open a public meter hearing on the matter of bylaw 2044, the off-site levy bylaw. All in favor? So I hereby declare the statutory public hearing open at Four minutes after five, and note that this hearing, this hearing is held pursuant to section 7, 8, 230, 606, and 692 of the Municipal Government Act. And I should clarify for people that may read the minutes that it's actually four minutes after five in the afternoon as opposed to the morning. Uh, so may I request the executive assistant confirm what the purpose of this public hearing is? Your Worship and Council, the purpose of this public hearing is bylaw 2044, the offsite levy bylaw. And when the public hearing notice was advertised in the local newspaper or under the terms of the advertising bylaw? The statutory public hearing notice was published in the local newspaper, the Record Gazette, on May 1st and 8th, 2019. And notice was provided in accordance with bylaw 2034, the advertising bylaw, by electronically posting the notice prominently on the Town of Peace River website, posting the notice on the Town of Peace River's official social media sites, 
and by posting the notice prominently on the bulletin board provided for that purpose at the town hall main entrance. And were there any written submissions received but not included in the public hearing agenda package? And if there were, could we read them into the record? There were no additional submissions received. So I will ask that all persons giving oral presentations clearly state their name, uh, who they represent, and try and keep their presentations uh, succinct. I will now call on the town's development officer, uh, Ms. Alicia Modi, to uh, come forward and uh, present the uh, Good evening. So bylaw 2044 is uh, the bylaw that adopts a new offsite levy model which establishes new offsite levy rates. This bylaw replaces um, bylaw 1851 which was adopted uh, some years ago and has been amended twice in the intervening time. Uh, the new bylaw establishes the offsite levy. Um, it divides the town into specific offsite levy areas and it establishes the rate of the offsite levy in each of those areas and also provides clarity as to when the offsite levy is imposed. Uh, so, when uh, at either subdivision or development, depending on the circumstances. And it also establishes um, the payment of the offsite levy. The offsite levy bylaw also includes uh, four schedules. Schedule A establishes the offsite levy areas. Uh, Schedule B establishes the offsite levy rates. Schedule C establishes how the offsite levies are calculated. And Schedule D, uh, the offsite levy update, provides for the method by which the offsite levy rates were established. So the model that we use to determine what the rates uh, ought to be based on the infrastructure needs of the town and our anticipated growth and development. Uh, the bylaw has been presented to council for first reading on March 25th, 2019. Uh, since that time, both the offsite levy bylaw and the accompanying policy were presented to the development community uh, on the town's webpage, and an open house was also held on April 2nd, 2019. Uh, that open house was advertised on the town's website and through our social media channels. We also notified specific landowners directly via uh, letters, including uh, local, the, the local development community, uh, Chamber of Commerce, and landowners within specific area structure plan areas. A total of six people attended our open house. Um, and based on that feedback, we have made one key change to the offsite levy bylaw where the uh, administration proposes to change the offsite levy the rate of interest sorry set by section 8e of the offsite levy bylaw from 4% to 3%. Uh, the rest of the content attached to the bylaw specifically is unchanged from that time. There were subsequent changes to the offsite levy policy which we'll address later in today's meeting. Uh, I can take any questions that council might have. Any questions for during the open house, there was, uh, I won't mention any names, but during the open house, there was a, uh, a question or an idea that was given to administration about the, the off-site levy payment on a lower amount and deferrals for one year. Was that taken into consideration in this? Uh, that change or that recommendation uh, from the public was 
taken into account and there have been some changes to the outside levy policy, but that doesn't affect the bylaw. Okay. Oh. Uh, um, I should probably ask this question given that Mr. Ford and Councillor was in attendance at the open house. When you said there were six attendees, were they all councillors? No, no, they were not. Were two of them councillors? Yes. Were those two counted in the six? <laughs> No, they weren't. I no, don't think no. so. No, there, there were six additional. There were yeah, six, six members of the public. Okay, six yeah. extra count, extra. Four council. during the body of the open house, and there were two additional people that arrived right as the open house was coming to a close. <coughs> Did you get any submissions as well? Uh, there is a written submission attached to the RFD for this uh, from uh, one member of the public, yes. Any questions, Mr. Good, Ms. Manzik, right wing as my counsel. <laughs> very good. Uh, we will. Uh, I will now call on. So thank you very, very much, Ms. Woody. I will now call on those in favor of the bylaw to come forward and uh, and speak to the bylaw. Is there anyone wishing to come forward? Great, I don't have to go through second or third call. <laughs> Good afternoon, council members, your worship. For the record, my name is Larry Hernick. Good afternoon, council, fellow councillors. For the record, my name is Larry Hernick, and I have an interest in this uh, proposed bylaw as a member of the general public. I have a few short comments with regard to it. But first of all, I'd like to give thanks to town council and to the administration for addressing the concerns of the application of the present proposed bylaw. The old bylaw was onerous to developers, and I'm certain that the town saw the results of that onerous cost imposed on development. By addressing these concerns with the proposed bylaw, I believe that the new development of new construction and development within the town of Peace River will increase. Hopefully, economic times also change that. My concern which I wish to address to the administration and members of the council is that the bylaw is requiring a bond or surety to be placed by the developer with the town at the time of subdivision if the off-site levies are not paid at the time of subdivision. The cost of such bond or surety is substantial. The banks are there to make money and they charge substantial amounts for uh, having a bond or surety placed with the town. We greatly aid the developer if the town could cooperate in a, having those off-site levies paid as the lots are sold. A developer has cash costs, and cash flow means the effects in stages of development. Putting upfront costs for development by payment of the offsite levies prior to any start of development at the time of subdivision costs money. 
as the council is all aware. If the town would allow the developer to enter into an agreement whereby the developer would give the land as security for the payment of the offsite levy, such offsite levy to be paid at the time of sale of the lot or the development to the ultimate purchaser. I note that the town solicitor has quite correctly stated that the offsite levy cannot be caveated since it's not a charge on land. It's in person, not in rem. However, by an agreement whereby the developer charges the land, such agreement can be caveated in a mortgage. I refer you to your mortgage that you placed when you purchased your home. You gave the bank, if you were uh, like most people and needed money to buy your residence or buy your apartment or wherever, you gave the bank a mortgage on the property, converting it, and you charged the land. By signing that mortgage, you charged the land with the security and therefore the bank could enforce that security. The same as I'm proposing the town consider with respect to the collection of the offsite levies. The agreement could be quite simple. The developer would sign a covenant whereby the developer charges the land to be given a security for the payment of the offsite levy plus applicable interest. Upon the sale of the land, it would be paid the same as you would sell your residence. Your mortgage would be paid. And honestly, in my past life, I paid off many offsite levies by this specific way with the town of Peace River and other municipalities within the Peace Country. It works. I know the town is considering allowing a developer of a single residence in, in, to enter into an agreement to allow the payment of the offsite levy within a year upon the sale of the property. And the rate of interest as, was amended as pointed out by the development officer. I'm certain the town will caveat such agreement in order to protect the town's security and in order to ensure that the offsite levy is paid as required. That's just going to be part of the town's administration's requirements. I am certain that that documentation will be required. The developer will pay for all costs and the uh, Town will collect the offsite levy when the property is being used. The offsite levy is not going to be, a, it will be paid, but the, the, the infrastructure that the offsite levy is to be paid for does not take in use until the development is sold. By, and the purchaser, the ultimate purchaser, uses the property for uh, whatever use they require. I, I'm therefore submitting to the council that the council, either through bylaw or through administration policy, consider such adoption. Again, in summary, I wish to thank council for giving thought to changing the offsite levy bylaw. It will help development and for allowing less costs in future developments in this town, which I believe is the best interest of Peace River. Thank you. Is there anyone else wishing to speak? Well, I suppose uh, we should uh, see if there's any questions for Mr. Erdnick. Any questions? Mr. Good. Um, I have one <coughs> question because I find uh, this kind of stuff confusing. But 
The question I have is, when you talk about when the land sells, that that's when they could pay the offsite levy. Um, I, I can move here in 1996, and it was just after a whole bunch of pretty bad economic times that had occurred in the early 90s. <clears throat> Things were getting a lot better when I moved here. But prior to that, I heard rumors and stuff of, of developers that had gone into developments, um, and the land had not sold, they had defaulted on, and basically gave the land back to the town for taxes or whatever, and just walked away from it. So what I don't understand is, if the offsite levy is charged at the point of sale, and let's just say the developer of the land subdivides, doesn't sell it, and then leaves, at that point, until that land is either sold at whatever uh, price goes down or whatever happens, the town still has to pay for the infrastructure costs for the that, that basically the offsite levy supports. So that basically, if I, unless I'm unless I'm wrong on that, that puts the town at the exposure, not the developer. Am I correct? You are correct. My question, okay. my point, or my counter is, the the land is not being used in the infrastructure. It is being the the infrastructure is there. No, I no doubt about that. But the use of that infrastructure is not being used by the owner of that land. True. But unless I'm wrong, the developer was believed was at, at some point because I was in business. I know a little, not a lot about. Trust me, but the developer was expecting a certain amount of profit and return, and part of that was he needed to have the infrastructure in order to sell it as a developed piece of property, or that that property had to have um, services in order to be sold as a service lot or whatever. So. Part of the profit that the developer was expecting to get was based on that infrastructure being in place. That's correct. Okay. So it really comes to a balance point, if I'm correct on this. The balance is sharing the risk as a, as a business proposal on behalf of the town. In other words, we're willing to, to share some of the risk along with the developer in the interest of having development in our community. Or the other decision would be to not share in the risk, put all the risk on the developer, which would, as you say, would have a cost and a financial cost. Or, as was done prior to offsite levies, all of the risk was on the town or on the taxpayers of the town to provide offsite levies. Am I correct on my assumptions? That's correct, Councillor Good. It, it, okay. I'm not, what, I'm, what I'm asking, though, is the town not to have a blanket policy. You go to the developer and you look at the cost and you say to the developer, well, we're not, we want 50% and we'll finance 50% or 25% depending on who the developer is. So, so you don't, I don't want a straight no way or yes a whole way. I want the administration to be able to have the right to sit down with the developer and say, okay, what are your plans? If we're talking about a house, a person uh, putting on a house and developing, and the offsite levies are a thousand dollars. We're not even worried about that. You know, what it's not worth the cost to the developer to even pay that. But if we're uh, looking at a cost of a million-dollar development, and the town has the first charge on that property. Well, the town is going to have security, and when the developer then goes to uh, goes to the bank to subdivide. Or uh, sorry, when he the subdivision is done, when he goes to the bank 
to develop the property and put everything in, the bank, the mortgage company is going to insist that the town be paid off because the town will have a first mortgage on the property. Okay. So I, what I'm asking for is the council giving the administration to deal with the, the developers on a case-by-case -case basis and not have it yes or no. Okay, I just sort of wanted yes. to clarification for this. I find this stuff kind of confusing. So. No, you're, 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 you are correct, Councillor Good. There's always bad apples, and the town has to balance the bad apples versus the good apples. Okay, thank you. Okay. So if those bad apples are rotten to the core. Um, is there anyone else in favor of the bylaw? I, I don't have a formal presentation, Your Worship, but I, I wanted to, um, well, thanks thanks for giving me a, a few moments. Uh, yeah, I've, over the past 10 years, and I my name's Barry Heinen, and I have, I'm part of the resident group of the St. Germain subdivision area on the West Hill. Over the past eight, ten years I've been in front of council on behalf of that residential group talking about the off-site levy bylaw, among other things. Um, and I just, because I've been here so often, when something positive moves forward, I think I ought to come and say thank you. I, I think this is moving in the right direction, as Mr. Herniak has said. I think when development um, does progress in the town of Peace River, I think it'll be seen as a positive move, and I, and I think it should encourage development. Of, between the revised bylaw and the policy um, descriptions that are going along with it that you've adopted, I think you've got something that's very workable and should encourage development when it does occur. And so in, anyway, my, my, my thought is thank you for moving this thing in the right direction. And I think it should help um, progressive development in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. <coughs> I will now call on those opposed to the bylaw to come forward. <coughs> Are you also opposed to the no, right okay. now? <laughs> they told me to fill in the phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, being a lawyer, I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you had <laughs> two opinions on one matter. Uh, so second call for those opposed to the bylaw. Third and final call for those opposed to the bylaw. Seeing no one come forward, I will now call on any person deemed to be affected who wishes to be heard. I was first call, this is second call, and this is third and final call. Um, are there any, uh, I will now um, ask uh, the development bylaw, Ms. Officer, Ms. Uh, Alicia Modi, if she has any concluding statements. That she wishes to make.
just very briefly, with respect to the feedback that we have received, uh, it doesn't, I think the substance of the feedback doesn't affect the bylaw. It could have the potential to affect the policy. I think that it would require additional consideration on the part of the town as uh, some work to happen before we could bring forward those changes to council. Uh, but if council directs it, so administration could look at the suggestion made by Mr. Herniak and bring forward information for your consideration in the future. This is the first time you've heard, heard this type of feedback, is that right? Well, first time in the last few weeks. Uh, so we've had a bit of time to consider it, and we know that it's not something that we would like to make a, a quick amendment to the policy on, but we can certainly do some further work to bring forward more information to council in the future. And you would see that more through a policy? <coughs> I think it would be an amendment to the policy, yes, not to the bylaw itself. So just for your clarification, so passing the bylaw would not preclude consideration of Mr. Herniak's concerns? No, those concerns are any changes would happen within the policy itself, and the policy doesn't need to be adopted through the same process as the bylaw, so the policy is easier <coughs> to make additional changes to in the future. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Herniak, do you want to make a concluding statement? No, thank you. Uh, Mr. Hyman, no concluding statement? Question. Go ahead. Uh, Ms. Modi, so um, that was one of my questions is what Councillor Good had asked, but the comments from the open, again, the comments from the open house, and so Mr. Carr and uh, Mr. Onassi, those um, opinions that they've had would be addressed in the policy as well, not the bylaw, and wouldn't have any effect on the bylaw. Is, that's what I'm hearing. Some of the feedback that we received has been incorporated into the policy based on those conversations. The change to the interest rate within the bylaw is also a change that was spurred yeah, by those that. conversations. Yeah, but there were also changes to the policies that we'll discuss a bit later this evening that uh, were based on those change or those feedbacks that we had. From okay, so one of the one of the comments specifically within the open house, I'm just go, I'm going back to memory here, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but uh, some of the comments were made were the time of payment on a smaller developer because they have to borrow money in order to do that so they're kind of like paying a double interest not and not going to that four percent to three percent but at, that's where they're talking about the uh, uh, the one-year deferral there what has been a change to the policy which we'll discuss a little bit earlier <coughs> that deals with when interest rates start to kick in Seeing that all presentations have been made, I will now declare the public hearing closed at 27 minutes after 5 p.m. Very good. Um, that will take us to presentations. Ms. Yoon? Yeah. I guess you have this all lined up. Well, I think you're the one that's making the presentation. Yeah, I'm making the presentation. <laughs> to yourself. We thought about getting well, a card like the sized cardboard cutout. Excuse me. Put it out of like a floor length mirror. <laughs> well, Alicia's idea was a cardboard cutout, and then he could present the check to himself. But it's like a selfie <laughs> check. Maybe Councillor Needham could be the. That would be a good one. Yeah. Recipient. You can come and receive the check from the town. You have to sign it. The, okay. the mayor will explain himself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, you're getting a lot of The mayor. 
The mayor's giving okay. me a check for my honorarium. Is that no, what no. <laughs> okay, we should be challenged. Tanya should be up there too. I'm making a check Chris out to the town of Peace River for five thousand. And for one fifty thousand. <laughs> for fifty thousand. Oh, throw another zero in there. I'll add the extra zero. Later. So Tanya, do you, are you going to be in there with? Bert? Yeah, we should. Well, well we should all be in there then. I just. Oh uh, no! <laughs> oh, you guys are the right guys. I'm making a challenge to all the Reeves and deputy Reeves and <laughs> deputy mayors that are out that are in the town of Peace River and the surrounding. Counties and past mayors. We've already done the deputy mayor. It's finished. You gotta sign it. And, 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 oh, yeah. And look our way, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not just at the check. Oh, the biggest check he's ever read. <laughs> yes. He's second guessing himself. I've never, I've never seen him part with any money. <laughs> you need your bank account in both the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> number. So, there we go. Ms. Ms. Bell, please. I'll take your money, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> <laughs> probably shouldn't have put Mayor there. there oh, yeah. But anyhow. All right. Come so on. I'm. And this is to go towards the construction of the Peace Regional Recreational Center. And I challenge all the Reeves, Deputy Mayor Reeves, in the surrounding counties, seeing that it's a regional project, to match my contribution. Um, individually. 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 I think we should underscore individually. Yeah. Also, uh, that challenge also goes out to the deputy mayor. I made a donation. I didn't get a picture, though. <laughs> <laughs> did, did she make it more than 5,001? But she no, takes an extra picture. Uh, and I think it's fitting that we're, well, the, the Peace Regional Recreational Center is a regional facility. It, it's meant to uh, not only uh, uh, provide physical literacy for our, uh, for our younger generation, uh, but also uh, provide them with a place to have fun, and also for the well-being of our seniors and us baby boomers that are moving into that. That period of time, I will appreciate the walking track in the middle of winter, and uh, and I think it's fitting that we're building this in our hundredth year because it's built to last another hundred years. That's so, right. <laughs> so uh, all the more reason to make a donation um, because you can spread it out over a hundred years. It is, and, 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 and there's great great <laughs> CRE credits too. Fifty percent. Yes, there are. Yes, fifty yes, percent. Yeah. We, we should emphasize to the, yeah. to the Reeves and Deputy Reeves that yeah. there is a significant tax tax uh, <coughs> taxable yeah. benefit. Yeah. Uh, they can, uh, they can a get a tax steps. write off. So oh, come forward a couple steps. That's it. And tilt it forward. Just try and get the glare off it. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Can you lift your hand up a smidge? Thanks, Greg. Or, or, a bit more. Higher. That's more. Okay. I have Pilates to okay. show <laughs> Thank you. Your name, Tukus. I'm waiting for Byron Stamhorn to make the snide comment like, where's the real chapter? 
here's the real check. Well, we have Alan here, so it's good timing. And who should we make it out to, actually? Chris Parker. Uh, <laughs> down a fever. M-E-E. -E. What? He's, he's not going to work. He's overpaid. Why would I make it? Why would I give him a I did hear you say one time he's the best CAO the town has ever had. The best town with the Where is that? Doesn't mean that he has a good He's just highly efficient. Legally choose your name call the town. Spend all your checks. It's only $200. Foster turn around and some of the others. Do we have to wait a few months before we take that to the bank? Or <laughs> I, I would take it quickly to the bank. <laughs> this is probably recorded. With all due respect, sir, we, we know your money's good. Did you notice the mothballs out of his coat and suit jacket when he pulled out that check? There you are. Thank you so much. Should I just help you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I yeah. forgot to add to that challenge. So in addition to that challenge, I'm also challenging all the councillors from the town of Peace River and all the councillors from the surrounding counties uh, to, to make a donation of at least $1,000 to the Peace Regional Recreational Center. And we will allow Mr. Parker to uh, make a check, a similar check out next week and challenge the, the CAOs of the surrounding next week. I don't think if I sold my vehicle, I could still make it. <laughs> okay, very good. Let's uh, carry on. And we've got bylaws. <laughs> Bylaw 2044, off-site levy bylaw, and uh, please carry on, Ms. Marty and Mr. Tenney. Good evening. All right, bylaw 2044 is the off-site levy bylaw, which establishes uh, new off-site levy areas and rates for the town of Peace River. Um, the pertinent information about the bylaw was presented at the public hearing. Uh, so in terms of our options and recommendation, uh, Council could provide second and third reading of bylaw 2044 this evening, which would adopt the new rates um, as an advantage. Uh, the disadvantage to that option is that you would maintain the existing offset levy bylaw and rates, which are <coughs> considered out of date. Uh, the second option is to provide second reading to bylaw 2044, uh, which would move the process forward, but would not adopt the bylaw this evening. <coughs> It would delay the uh, new offsite levy rates and update to the bylaw policy. Or you could defeat bylaw 2044, which uh, would maintain the offsite levies, bylaw and rates that are in place today and which are considered out of date as a disadvantage. And there are no advantages in our view to that option. And our recommendation is that you provide second and third reading this evening to bylaw 2044. And I can take any. Or myself and uh, Mr. Town can take any further questions that you might have. 
So with some of the uh, current development, I know there's some current developments that are out there. So if this bylaw is delayed anymore, that'll delay their construction time. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, any decision that's made on a subdivision or a development permit, the bylaw that's in place at the time of that decision is the one that would be applicable to that uh, to that decision. So if there's a subdivision application that gets approved tomorrow, the bylaw in place at the time would be the bylaw that would be applied. So we would be under the old bylaw or offsite levy regime, the current one, uh, if we did not approve this bylaw tonight. Your Worship, uh, just uh, the briefing note uh, speaks to the reduced in the population, uh, or speaks to the population model and, and the uh, establishment of rates. So, the new infrastructure that's been considered off the top of your head, can you tell us what, what, what new infrastructure projects were included to get those rates? So, within the modeling, it includes a 25 year horizon for. Uh, projected projects. With staff, it is a our current five-year capital budget. We um, incorporated those within the model projected in certain areas and phased them, including whatever funding we think we will have to spend versus what we would receive. The balance of the work was really um, a reasonable estimate. We did not discreetly say we expect to do this project in year 17 or whatnot. We said that over the next 20 years, after the five years, we think we will have to do X amount of work to replace our water infrastructure, and then just made assumptions on funding, where that infrastructure would go, um, and we did that for all class types. So there's transportation, water, and then wastewater. Um, we just, as an exercise, decided or, or determined that we needed to spend so much over the next 20 years on water transmission. <coughs> so much on water reservoirs, so much on sewer collection, um, and then just made reasonable estimates on, on those across the 20-year horizon, um, and then also allocated those both to existing um, residents versus new development. Um, and, and those inputs um, are what determine or influence the rate, and those are shown within the uh, Schedule D of the bylaw. Thank you. Questions? So, are we going to make a motion for second reading on this bylaw? I would move second reading of off site levy bylaw 2044. <coughs> All in favor? Put a motion on the floor, Your Worship, to provide third reading to bylaw 2044 off site levy bylaw. All in favor? We have your wish, Ms. Morning. You can now take this one off your desk. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, we also have another bylaw, bylaw 2045. That's probably why Mr. Town is still seated at the speaker's table. It's the tax rate bylaw. Okay. Um, so yes, good evening, your worshiping council. 
here to present the 2019 tax rate bylaw for adoption. Uh, this is a requirement of Section 353 of the Municipal Government Act in which Council must pass a property tax bylaw each year. Authorizes Council to impose tax in respect to properties within the municipality to raise the required revenues um, to, towards the payment of expenditures and transfers as set out in the approved budget. Um, must show separate tax rates and this is included within the budget um, that must be imposed to raise revenues required. It also includes other levies that are collected through the municipal um, taxes and then forwarded on to other entities such as the North Peace Housing Requisitions or for the Alberta School Foundation. Um, so similar to, to last year and every year, tax notices will be mailed to property owners um, by, it says mid-May, it's, it's around May 20th when the tax bills are issued and taxes are due on June 30th, 2019. In terms of the financial information and um, implications, there is a, sorry, I'm just pulling up the information, um, small assessment increase for the town. Last year there was a small decrease. Total assessments for all classes is an increase of about $4.8 million. So our total assessed um, values for the all properties, assessed properties within the town are $970 million for 2019. Um, and that's an increase from 965.8 in 2018. There's some changes within specific classes that vary greater than that 0.5% increase. For example, single-family residential assessments are up 1.41%, whereas duplex assessments are down 1.12 and apartments are down 1.50. So there is a little bit of interplay um, or changes depending on the class for the property type. Um, commercial assessments are down year-to-year -year about 2.9%, while industrial properties are an increase of 2.8%. During Council's deliberations, Council increased the total tax levy on existing properties from $10.9 million in 2018 to approximately $11.3 million in 2019. So from a budget perspective, I think the increase was about $360,000. Um, so to um, gather those additional revenue requirements. The proposed bylaw increases the residential municipal tax rates by 2.11% from 8.9268 cents per $1,000 of assessment. Well, the non-residential, which is commercial and industrial properties, would increase 4.58% from 16.2943 to 17.0407 cents. Um, and again, you know, understanding that the interplay of these changes, if you look at commercial assessments, they're down 2.9%, but the tax rate is up four point, almost 4.6%. So the tax bill increase on commercial properties are probably expected to be on average um, around the 3% range. Maybe a, maybe a little bit more. 
Um, and then same for commercial or residential properties. Um, expected to see tax rate increases or tax bill increases year to year um, of about 2.9 or 3% on average. Again, each property is um, specific to its own individual changes, but across the, the entirety of the organization or the municipality, 2.9 um, or 3% is, is what we expect um, average residential tax bills to, to increase. That's about $56.50 on a property valued at $300,000 or $4.71 per month. Third-party requisitions are generally flat for the upcoming year. Um, due to the recent provincial election, the province was not able to change the uh, school foundation requisition, um, so it's similar to last year. Um, whereas North Peace Housing had a, a small decrease, about three, about a third of a cent per percent on on its rate. Um, in terms of actual dollar values, they're, they're essentially flat. So I'll be able to take any questions and answer them. The recommendation or administration does recommend that council give first, second, and third reading to this bylaw, bylaw number 2045, the 2019 tax rate bylaw. Questions, Mr. Town? Well, there really shouldn't be any questions. This uh, this is not a surprise. Yeah. It was probably a good six months spent on uh, on the town budget, and uh, the town budget was passed. And, and the percentages are in line with information that was shown at the time. So, council had been informed at the time there was approximately a 2.9 percent increase on residential tax bills, and that has borne out to be here. Uh, probably reasonably close when the tax rate was determined. And $300,000 for a house is more or less the average? It is. It is. It's so slightly over that, but it's pretty close. So less than $5 a, a month. So maybe a latte. Or go a latte. A fancy coffee, yes. Sir. And reduce calorie intake. That should help. Your Worship, I would put a motion on the floor for first reading for bylaw 2045 if there's no questions. All in favor? Um, anyone looking to make second reading? Yeah, I'll make second reading. All in favor? Is there a motion to go to third reading? Sure. Okay, Mr. Ford, all in favor? Who wants to make third reading? Uh, I will, Your Honor. Should only cost you five dollars a month. All in favor? Very good. Thank, Thank you. you, Mr. Town. Okay. Um, so there's no unfinished business. Uh, I see there's quite a Quite a number of items under new business. Uh, the first one is the offsite levy policy. So we have a, a reappearance of our development officer, Ms. Modi, and her sidekick, Mr. Town. 
Good evening. Okay, so the offsite levy policy uh, is intended to accompany the offsite levy bylaw. Um, this offsite levy policy was presented as well at the open house on April 2nd and was advertised uh, using the same channels uh, as the bylaw. Uh, in addition, or based on the feedback that we've received at the open house, as well as uh, some final looks at the policy uh, through administration's eyes, we have incorporated uh, a number of changes to the policy that was presented uh, to council for information prior uh, in March, on March 25th. Uh, firstly, and this one uh, was driven by administration, we have uh, edited applicability threshold 815 which allows the town to impose the levy on a smaller portion of a parcel in the case of a large lot residential subdivision, uh, consistent with the applicability threshold in 8 or 820. Uh, so the way the applicability thresholds were written previously in the circumstance of a large lot residential parcel, if you had the parcel today, uh, you would be asked to pay one levy, but if you wanted to subdivide and then build that parcel, you would be paying a different levy. So we wanted to make sure that there, there wasn't that inconsistency there within the applicability thresholds. So that is what that edit is intended to do. Uh, the second edit was to remove uh, taking security in the form of a bond. Uh, that was removed from section 9 of the policy and that was removed because uh, when we really looked into the logistics of taking a bond as security, we determined that we could not effectively secure uh, the obligation of a levy through a bond. Uh, then in section 10.3, we delayed the initiation of interest charges. Uh, specifically, the policy now reads, no interest, no interest rate on the deferred offsite levy balances shall be charged for 365 days. Interest shall be applied to the deferred offsite levy balances starting on day 366 until the balance is paid in full as allowed through the deferment program at the interest rate identified in the offsite levy bylaw. So we, that was the one uh, policy change that came from the feedback that we received at the open house and uh, helps to address the concerns that were presented by the developers that they would be paying uh, interest to the town as well as interest to the bank. And then finally, within section 15, uh, which was a, a blank, there was a placeholder when this bylaw or this policy was previously brought forward to council for information. Uh, we have added in the time limit of three years uh, for interest to accrue on the balances due to developers who install pre-qualified offsite levy infrastructure. Uh, it's not a circumstance that we anticipate occurring very often within the town, but we did need to establish uh, some sort of limit within the policy. And so we followed on three years as an appropriate amount of time without making it too onerous on one developer or the other. Uh, so as we uh, have heard earlier at the public hearing, we have received some feedback from the public, uh, written feedback and encouragement to take a look at security agreements as a way to secure offsite levy payments. Uh, that's not been incorporated into the offsite levy at this point, but uh, we can certainly take a look at incorporating that in the future, depending on the administration doing some work to determine whether or not that's uh, something we can reasonably <coughs> without putting the town at too much risk. Uh, so beyond that, we haven't made any um, major changes to the policy compared to when we previously brought it forward on March 25th. So we can take any questions that you might have, but in terms of our recommendation, uh, we are recommending that council approve uh, offsite levy policy P-61-06 D. 
which is the fourth iteration of this policy. Any questions for Ms. Money? Okay, so with respect to this security business, and similar to Councillor Good, not quite understanding it all sometimes. Um, the, the example given was, uh, or wanted, I guess, was don't take the off-site levy until something is sold. So under that scenario, if there were 10 lots in this subdivision, and lot one got sold, and the others didn't get sold forever, would the forever ones not have their off-site levy put on them until they were sold under that scenario? That was uh, one aspect of the example uh, that was given that isn't really how the way the policy is written today. Uh, the way the policy is today, we have two deferment thresholds and you can defer uh, a certain amount up to two years. And if you're beyond that, we can defer up to five years, but we don't contemplate anymore within the policy waiting until something is sold. It's five years is the maximum amount of time the town will defer an offsite levy. Just to, sorry. Uh, just to further expand on that, um, and Mr. Herniak had talked about other mechanisms of security rather than we had identified. Our policy is risk adverse. We acknowledge that. We do want a high level of security. Um, and Mr. Herniak had talked about caveats or other mechanisms against the property. Um, we received an opinion that does posit um, instances where we may not be the first secured interest on a property under certain circumstances and that's um, a situation we would not want to be in. Um, there's other <coughs> security mechanisms, mechanisms we could consider that are not property related but we don't have much of a hammer. So you know a simple promissory note with the developer is and other types of security is something we could consider. Um, but if we do that are you know they're not property remediations that we have against this. Um, they're more civil court type opportunities or options we would have to consider and that's something we'd like to avoid um, but those options will be coming back to council just to confirm you know what level of, of risk um, they're willing to consider to um, try to encourage or assist developers i'm not saying that those are something that staff would encourage um, we will come back and have the discussion once we fully understand what all the options really are and what the ramifications would be. And we probably should uh, clarify that that opinion was not someone off the street, but a legal opinion, correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. <laughs> that's from our solicitor. Yeah, you just mentioned it, it was an opinion. I can give you an opinion. That's what the paper is written on. Just one yeah, question. Sure. In terms of just to uh, what I see in the bylaw and what I've heard from the public, this certainly strikes me as the direction we want to go. But uh, just to speak to the policy matter, which isn't before us right now, but is it is it not fair that if you had such a developer and the, the so-called sharing of the risk, I mean, I, I would presume they would show up with um, a, a, a letters of reference or some examples of other developments that they've got. I, I guess. I'm just trying to think how the negotiation process would, would unfold here and would would lessen the risk. So this was just wouldn't be a uh, a given, I presume. I mean, you you know you, you wouldn't open the bank, I guess. You wouldn't open the bank door to this individual. You'd want to be certainly somewhat certain that they've got uh, some experience in this area or 
uh, some sort of security. Is that is is that what you're saying in terms of what some of the other mechanisms are? <coughs> um, potentially, you know, there are other types of securities we could take other than sure, something really formally banked or supported by a bank. You know, Mr. Hernak also mentioned that you know he'd like to see a chance where administration has some latitude to negotiate with the different parties. Um, and I have to really caution against that. I'd be concerned. Um, that tends to get administrations and municipalities in trouble when we treat different parties differently and unequally. So, you know, I'm not sure what that would look like. No, I, I would agree with that observation. I think we've got some experience in this community on that very matter. But uh, good, thanks for the clarification. My question is one of timing. Um, in the case of uh, bylaws, if you pass a bylaw, you really can't look at it again for a certain period of time. If my memory is correct, there's some you can't really do a bylaw Monday and then just revisit the thing on Tuesday. Am I correct on that? I think what you're thinking about is with respect to land use bylaws. Um, in some land use bylaws, it's very specifically written that if council makes a decision, then you won't really consider your decision within six months. I don't know that that's something that is blanket across the MGA. I think it was more than just land use bylaws from my memory. I was to preclude somebody from hammering the council with the same bylaw every week to try and make a point. Um, policies are not covered by anything like that as far as I'm aware. So you could revisit a policy Monday and then a week later new circumstances arise, you can revisit it again. To my knowledge, yes. Mr. Ford, do you have questions? Uh, Sure. Just to Ms. McCraig? Yeah, okay. Mr. Scalmer? Um, yeah, the whole, uh, I, I would concur with Mr. Town on the, uh, on the too much latitude for administration thing. I think a good policy is one that treats everybody the same and yeah. as the bodies move around or change in various administrative positions, hopefully not. Um, buried versus unburied, or yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it needs to be uh, needs to be out in the open. Good. Anything else? Deputy Mayor, you're looking for another question? No. Okay, very good. So uh, you want a motion to adopt this policy? To approve the policy, yes. Okay. Who wants to do that? I'll provide a motion to Excellent. Mr. Scamalorn has put forward a motion to adopt this policy. I won't go through the number again, but I think it's uh, on the, <coughs> the outside levy policy. Revision six or one three? Four. 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 Okay, here we go. Uh, request for decision on the DARE graduation. So, yeah, Your Worship of Council, this is uh, it just uh, was brought to our uh, governance and priorities uh, meeting, and we were looking for someone, and we did have an individual who went, the Deputy Mayor. This is just a formal approving. Gratifying uh, the uh, the, the attendance. Correct. Okay. Um, somebody want to make that motion? Okay. All in favor of Mr. Good, I mean, 
Mr. Needham's motion to ratify the deputy mayor's attendance at the DARE graduation. What does DARE stand for? Drug Abuse Resistance Education. So we can see why you're in the edu education uh, request for a decision regarding the Glen Mary School graduation. Uh, Glen Mary, uh, your worship council, is having a graduation on June 7th, uh, is the uh, mass, and on June 8th is the actual ceremony. And they're requesting uh, the mayor to, or, or a designate to uh, attend the graduation ceremony. Does the designate have to be Catholic? <laughs> because I think that only leaves me to <laughs> to attend that uh, to attend that. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll accept the enabling motion if it's made. So June fifth and sixth. Um, actually, it's the invite is just for the uh, June eighth. Actually, the actual graduation ceremony, June eighth. If I could get our communications officer to write me up a, a scintillating graduation speech to send these kids out into the Actually, there, there's no, no speech. They just want oh, your attendance. Oh, wow. Done. That's easy. <laughs> Maybe take a check for them. <laughs> My kid's going to McGill. She'll take a check. <laughs> Very good. Okay. So, so you're sure they're not going to ask me to get up there? I, I asked that question when I called it. Okay. Mr. Gibbs making that motion all in favor? Um, so this is a request for a decision at the flag raising ceremony on June the. 21st. Yeah. Uh, Your Worship, this is just an enabling motion from the discussion we had at the last meeting. So this is just the formal enabling motion for Mayor and Council to attend, and Mayor to bring words of welcome and greetings. Okay. <laughs> um, so how many flags? Five or three? Yes. Five. For those flags? Starting out those, yes. Those, those yes. ones over there? Yes. Are you, you haven't sorted that out yet? We, we have. It may be revisited, but it's five right now. <laughs> okay, so we're having five flagpoles. So yes, we are. They're ordered. So if somebody, <laughs> somebody decides to boycott the flag raising ceremony and not give us their flag, Will we back it up with a uh, with a uh, second uh, town of Peach River flag, or possibly? Uh... <laughs> or just the fire department has a nice flag. They have a lovely flag. Okay. Just an enabling motion. For the entire council. Absolutely. So, Mr. Mayor, I would. Uh, uh, move that uh, mayor and council be enabled to attend the flag raising and treaty eight plaque unveiling event on June 21st at 1 p.m. at Riverfront Park, and the mayor to bring Where's some remarks. Okay. All there. Thank you. Okay. Request for decision for attendance at the Pride Parade. 
Your Worship and Council, uh, the, uh, we received a formal request uh, for a mayor and council to attend the regional pride parade on June 8th. Um, this, uh, that's, uh, the parade commences at 12 o'clock on Saturday on the 8th and starts at the Centennial parking lot and it goes uh, basically to the park. Uh, Okay, so this is on the 8th of June when the mayor is going to be sitting in a sweaty gym. This is correct. At the yeah, yeah, it's the same time. Okay, so. Um, you can do both. I have face. You got a reserved seat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so. Um, so this is for the entire council, right? Correct. Okay. So who's who's going to be the uh, who's who's going to be heading up the parade? Who's the? Uh, don't they have a designated celebrity? Marshal? A marshal. Yeah. yeah. Unaware. Unaware? Are you? Uh, do you have any insight? I think this year will just be the GSAs in general. Regional Gay Straight Alliances. Okay. Okay. Uh, is anyone going to make a neighboring motion for the Pride Parade attendance? I'll move. I'll move. Okay. I'll move. Mr. Scam Scamar has actually had quite a few already. <coughs> today, so. No. Uh, all in favor? <coughs> he's, on the, he's on the sheet. Watch. I'm at the scoreboard. scoreboard. <laughs> There's a lot Ian, of stuff here. Ian Kawhi Leonard. Okay, request for decision. Museum board membership. Your worship and council, the report before you is slightly um, different than the process we normally follow. Unfortunately, we've had uh, a number of members that have hit their term all at the same time at the museum board. And we have asked for new community members, of which we, re we have received four applications. However, the process normally is to have the existing board make a motion, review applications, and make a motion um, uh, of recommendation to council. <coughs> Excuse me prior to as part of the decision-making of council for appointing to new members. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to host a quorum of your existing museum board. Therefore, uh, to sort of head things off before they get carried on a little too long, uh, we're just bringing forward the four applications to council directly, not uh, to skip over the museum board itself on purpose. It's just, it's, it's not coming together in terms of uh, getting all parties at the table. The four applications we have received, uh, administration and a couple of members of the board are well aware of these individuals, have a good understanding of what they bring to the board, um, and actually bring us a little bit more of a, um, a diverse generational perspective to the table, so we're sort of looking forward to that potential. Um, and some longer term members of your community, so quite a potentially diverse new sets of voices. So the recommendation is to appoint the four applications of Megan McLeod, George Brothers, Jamie Griffiths, and Peggy Gardner to the museum board for three year terms, which unfortunately will mean in three years we'll have 
or you know, yeah. but <laughs> we'll deal with that then. <laughs> okay. How, how many Two. members of the board are there? Seven. So you don't even have quorum to, like you can't even, this is kind of a chicken or egg thing. Why, yes it is. So we went straight to the hen on this one. <laughs> Good answer. Okay. <coughs> make a motion to accept four or or some lesser number. I, I would move that uh, we accept admin's recommendation to the museum board to appoint Megan McLeod, George Brothers, Jamie Griffith, and Peggy Gardner to the museum board for a term of three years as members of as public members at large. Thank you. Uh, request for a decision on regional SDAB, subdivision appeal board. Greg, is this the same group we just had the hearing with? It's the exact same group. Yeah. So, um, hopefully, council will indulge if I do a report without Ms. Modi here to assist me. I think you assist her. That was the whole point of the sidekick. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's not how the rest of the room took it. I've been roused a little bit since then. So, uh, so council has seen this information. We talked about it last week at our GMP meeting, and again, it's the um, interest or appetite to join a regional subdivision and development appeal board that MMSA, Mackenzie Municipal Services Agency, is interested in. Um, running or facilitating um, under the the model this would replace our existing or our current town SDAB and we would appoint members to the board the board would um, run under MMSA um, but the board would be responsible for setting schedules receiving applications um, through MMSA and then determining um, members and and board members to go in and assist with hearings in municipalities. So, um, again, staff are supportive of the concept. We did have a challenge with our recent SDAB group to get quorum. It took us a couple meetings. Um, so, between that and the potential for um, not having a clerk available, uh, myself being clerk for RSDAB, um, if I'm not available at any time, that imperils the board's requirement to have meetings within a certain period of time um, or to do the decisions within a certain period of time. Um, so again, staff is, is um, in support of this, this initiative. So there's a couple options um, to participate in the, the regional STB that would allow us to, again, join and support a regional group, strengthen um, this across the, the region. Um, the disadvantage of doing that is you lose your local flavor by joining a regional board. You know, the, the local knowledge and inputs um, may not exist, and there would be an additional cost, um, potentially, for any hearings that we would have to do. There's a minimal cost to join, maybe about $200 a year, but there would be a cost of 
of having a hearing within your jurisdiction. The other option is to not participate. Um, again, from the advantages, we have a functioning STD board. It's not a hardship at, uh, for us at this point. Um, disadvantages, we lose access to a broader pool of members and clerks um, and would be seen as not participating in a regional venture. Um, there are a whole bunch of steps that would have to happen if we do this. The first one, and if council agrees to enter into an agreement, um, this would give the mayor and chief administrative officer authority to sign. Um, we would have to amend our current subdivision and development appeal board bylaw to utilize and reference a regional regional STAB. Um, we'd have to decide on who our members would be, and it could be one councillor and one member at large, two members at large, or a single um, public member. Um, we'd have to update our current or, or so our existing fees and charges bylaw to match the filing fees identified within the MMSA agreement. And on Friday, we noticed another item we'd have to change, which is our unsightly premises bylaw, which references the SDAB as the, the group that individuals could appeal to. So we would have to amend that bylaw um, in short order to find a new. Um, appeal group for for unsightly premises. So I'm not sure who that be. There's there's a couple options, but that is another step that we'd have to take. So again, council, or sorry, the administration recommendation is that council agree to entering the regional subdivision development appeal board agreement and authorize the mayor and CAO to sign the agreement on the town's behalf. Any questions? Last chance of questions on this one? Sure. So if I'm understanding this right then, by joining this board or accepting this recommendation would replace the other board. So the other board would no longer exist. That's correct. So my other question then would be with the minimal appeals that we get, is it worth even making all these changes? Because we really, how many appeals, subdivision appeals have we had in the last, I'm going to say, because I've been a member on that board over the last five years, I can remember two. In the time that I've been here, so just over three years, there's been five separate appeals and files. So we're averaging about one and a half a year. And out of that one out of that that average how many times do we not get quorum because it's usually I know the one the one that I was here we yep. didn't get quorum we had to adjourn for a few days it's happened twice it happened in the summer of 2017 <coughs> we had um, an issue getting quorum again if you don't get quorum the uh, decision is rendered in favor of the applicant. Well, there is a mechanism where if we do not get quorum, the meeting could still be called to order and then immediately postponed. That is an option, but it's an imperfect option because we recommend to the appellant and, and other parties that they show up. 
And this happened last time they showed up and then we immediately called the immediate order. And we did not have quorum. We postponed it so they had to come and then they had to come back. It's not ideal. It's not the end of the world and they understood, but you know, that is a mechanism. So meeting the 30-day guideline is rarely in peril because we do have that ability. Um, it's just not a great look. What about the idea of, uh, instead of making all these changes, what about the idea of increasing the members of the uh, current board by one or two, which would make it easier for you to get quorum in those certain timelines? Uh, yep, and that's an option too. That's something, um, usually about twice a year, we put out a call for new memberships for some or all of our committees. Um, the last big push would have been last spring. We haven't done one since. Um, and that's something absolutely that's something we do on a regular basis anyway we are short i believe two members potential members for the the sdav right now yeah because for the for that existing board i think doing some door knocking would definitely get some members on that board and yep. then we won't run into that situation anymore yeah and we recognize that quorum is a challenge but it's not the impetus for administration's recommendation you know um, we feel we view, view that it's just a valid enterprise, <coughs> you know, on the whole. Um, Mr. Mayor, so um, in terms of the meeting part of thing, if there is a time limit, uh, might there not be less of an issue if you had more regional people to kind of pick from? Yes, in my opinion, if there's a large pool to draw from, then <coughs> setting up a meeting within your 30-day window is quite a bit easier. And the other thing, the training of the clerk, um, is the, the training is a two-day thing, one-day thing, or uh, one read, day. read something? Or? Clerk, clerk training for myself is one day. Okay. Um, and that's another thing that I, I glossed over pretty quickly. Um, MMSA would be the ones to initiate and try to do training um, in-house. So they would either do it themselves or they would bring someone in to do training for the board members and the <coughs> clerks as needed. As far as uh, training for the clerks, uh, could that be, say, the town had a municipal planner and employee, could they be a clerk or could they have another role at the SDAB which would preclude them from being a clerk? Yes, they're, they have a fairly defined role where they are speaking on behalf of of the the appeal not on behalf of the appellant or the the individual um, defending or putting in the thing but they're they're a neutral party but they do have a period of being okay um, the other question you said that there would have to be changes to the unsightly premises bylaw what other bodies could weigh in on that if it was not the subdivision subdivision appeal board um, it could be council could be the chief administrative officer. Could be. Uh, could be the, like the MPC. Mm -hmm. Or is that not? I can't say for sure. Um, I'm not saying no, but I'm also thinking that might not be something that you would want to put upon the MPC. Um, it could be a, a new group done for this. So that, that's something we look into and see what other municipalities do. I notice you don't have um, the advantages like like so having this regional board would potentially have people from outside of Peace River weighing in on P 
East River Matters or that kind of thing without the local flavor. However, it would also help uh, evangelize the right way of doing things like we do here in Peace River to these other backwater neighborhoods that perhaps don't do things the right way. If you want to put it that way, where we're spreading the word, um, I would disagree that um, we could also impart our knowledge upon the other municipalities. So I'll speak of an example. Um, MMSA um, has had a subdivision appeal process, and uh, myself and a counselor from Northern Sunrise, and I believe it was the MD of Peace, sat on a um, appeal from some situation in the MD of Fairview. And it wasn't critical that we knew the nuances of the the local in fact it was probably better we didn't because then we we're a little more impartial in <coughs> taking what is before us into account when we made our decision yes and i'll agree with that the sdb board is um you know when they're when they're assigned the task they are told that they are just to weigh the merits of the case um, without trying to include these external factors um, and there's other rules that we do impart to them, such as they should not visit the site before the hearing and, you know, these, these other factors. So, you know, again, it's just a little bit of the local knowledge, um, but really these should be independent parties anyway, so it's, it's a pretty minor issue. Any other questions? So, uh, so concern was being raised uh, about the amount of work these changes would require, but you were recommending that the change be made, so obviously you're not concerned about the amount of work. Uh, no, I get my sidekick to do a lot of it. Excellent. Good show. Did you hear that, Ms. Bell? <laughs> okay, yes. Are you making a motion? Certainly. Okay, to do what? Um, to approve entering into an agreement and authorize the mayor and chief administrative officer to sign today. All in favor? That's, that's done. Pardon me? Opposed? Uh, you didn't need it recorded, so. No. <laughs> I just did a vote. Well, I have to vote. That's why I was waiting for him to say, hold that hand up. Request for a decision uh, on the CAO Code of Conduct. It's more like being a skunk. So you call the game early. Does Code of Conduct come with a $5,000 oh, $5, check? <laughs> Uh, well, that's a yeah, requirement. <laughs> well, here we go. We're talking about money. Anyway, uh, Council, before you, you have the uh, code of conduct that has been brought before you a couple of times at the April 1st and uh, May 6th uh, meeting, Governance and Priorities meeting. And um, Basically, before you is the, the final version of it. Uh, we, as you are aware, council has had uh, a couple chances to, to make a few different uh, changes into it, and uh, staff has discussed this numerous times. 
trying to get it uh, what we think would be a, a fine little uh, product. And of course, what this does is this also is one of the requirements from the CUF uh, report. Um, and that's uh, basically it, I guess. So uh, before you is, is this uh, uh, code of conduct, and we're just uh, looking forward to um, passing it or, or not. The administration is uh, recommending it gets passed. Okay. Anybody want to make uh, some last minute comments or ask some last minute questions on the code of conduct? It was covered off some depth at the Governance uh, and Priorities Committee meetings. No comments, Your Worship, other than I would put a motion on the floor to approve the uh, CAO code of conduct uh, as presented. Okay. All in favor? Opposed? Uh, request for a decision uh, on the flag project funding requirements. I thought we already figured this one out. It's so close. <coughs> oh, you thought so too. I thought so. <laughs> uh, your worship and council. We have been finalizing a contractor for this particular project, which needs to get into the ground in the next couple of weeks. And unfortunately, bids are coming back much higher than anticipated. Uh, we have already committed 11000 for the cost of the actual flagpoles, the five of them. That was a separate uh, expense, not within the contractor asset. Um, I see finger going on. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, a lot higher than we anticipated. Final budget number is anticipated around $74,000, just shy of seventy-five. dollars um, There is a way we potentially could um, do some cost savings by removing the proposed lighting within the project design, which is attached to the report, and that will have a potential cost savings of ten, ten to $15,000. So we could remove that to drop the cost, and council would like to look at that as an option, or we proceed with the cost as is proposed, and we find um, the funds within the operational budget. I already have um, one place that I know we're going to have a surplus because we have positions that have been empty for some time. So there is some potential operational dollars. <coughs> Excuse me, uh, Director Town also suggests that within the operational budget there will be other areas of, um, like my situation where I, we have salaries that are unspent, there will be a couple of other spaces for that too. But we will come back with a little update with Council as we move it further into the year if that's the path or avenue Council chooses to take. So, uh, well, I guess another <laughs> option is we cancel the project. And I believe I didn't present that as an option because that one is, it, it is an option. It would be a very difficult option to present. And I didn't think politically that's palatable per se. So how much did we originally budget for? Uh, 35000 So it's doubled. And then we added... <coughs> Added another eleven ten on that, or what did you mean by there was a eleven thousand? Uh, out of the thirty-five thousand, we've already spent eleven thousand for the actual poles themselves. So we've purchased the poles for the contractor to install. 
we didn't ask the contractor um, that's doing the concrete okay, work. So seventy-five thousand dollars includes the pools, the eleven thousand. Okay, so that actually, so we purchased the poles. Correct. That takes eleven thousand dollars out of the potentially the lowest bid. Uh, and you're going to take the lighting out of it? If we would like to reduce the cost overall, if you're more comfortable with a $60,000 budget, then we will remove lighting for sure. Well, personally, I'm not comfortable with 60000 either when the estimate was 35, 35 yes. Don't disagree. Yeah. So the main extra expense has been the concrete. Is that... The, the costs lighting, have gone up significantly, yeah. plus the lighting. The lighting was a huge expense, and we didn't anticipate it be that um, expensive. Um, I could see doing without the lighting. Okay. Um, there's uh, well, there is one lighting post there. There is a lamp standard, one of the non-standard black um, light standards mm -hmm. that's right adjacent to the site. So you, it will be illuminated already through that. Yes. Plus, it's next to the apartment, and they yeah. they don't want more lighting around there just because. Um, yeah. I guess uh, I, I think unfortunately I would speak in favor of uh, increasing this to seventy-four thousand minus the ten or fifteen thousand for lighting, um, basically due to uh, the various. Um, inputs, I guess, that we've had into this whole um, effort as a Aboriginal Indigenous outreach um, uh, strategy. It um, has involved um, the chief of Treaty 8, for instance, who, you know, they bring um, a different, maybe broader mindset than we had initially intended into the whole conversation, but they are part of it. Um, the other partners we have are uh, the Métis, uh, Duncan First Nation has been involved, um, various um, groups from out Kadot, uh, Woodland area. Uh, we have had on two occasions at least um, uh, Trust or a counselor from Northern Lights, and more occasions a counselor from uh, Northern Sunrise, who are involved through the town's Peace River Aboriginal Interagency. So it's a combination of a whole bunch of things trying to work together in a time frame that's become rather shorter than we kind of really needed for all of the um, uh, decisions that ended up having to be made. So I would speak in favor of increasing the budget. Well, you, you speak to the inputs from various parties, uh, Deputy Mayor, but obviously um, they didn't bring their checkbook. To the well, board. they did bring their checkbooks to the medallion um, uh, uh, thing for uh, the treaty signing of the Treaty Eight to the tune of I think of about eight thousand dollars. They're putting into that. Um, component of it, which is not part of this uh, $74,000 part of things. Yeah. And, and to be fair, we didn't ask. That we hadn't asked them for any funds for this. 
That was heart error in judgment. Well, <laughs> looking back now, I would agree. <laughs> um, just looking at the project drawings here, and I can't tell from this drawing, but I'm assuming the lighting that you're talking about is they're embedded. Correct. And it's a flush mount LED fixture. Correct. So that would be very dim. It wouldn't hurt the apartment building beside. The other question I have is uh, to do with the, the contract. Um, as far as doing power and all that, are they responsible for hooking all that up? Or is that something that we could look at our local contractors to volunteer to do? Because there's lots of them in town. Oh, no. It, it's. This sound system is having its challenges this evening. Um, that was all part of the contract. We're just running a, a little short on time to be <coughs> around asking for donations at this point. But if we're taking the lighting out, the hookup was a very minor cost. Not it was the it's the cost of the the actual lights themselves and yeah that would be much higher. So my other comment then was with the lights left in, I, did I hear you say that yes you could find the money within your current operating budget? We're suggesting that we could utilize the operational budget for the town, regardless of the no more than the 39,000. But if council would prefer to reduce that closer to 29,000, we can find that in the operational budget. Yes. So my just my my personal feeling on this, I think the, the flag project is a very very significant project in town. I think. Like, uh, Deputy Mayor Manzer said there's been a lot of work on this project. I think if we're going to do it, let's do it right. And uh, I would support the project with the extra funding and with the lighting. So, Mr. McQuaid, we could add the lighting We so could uh, do that, uh, but well, it's a little harder to do because the, the lights that we're putting in are going to be set to the concrete. So, and the conduit steps are below there, so you'd have to break apart. The, the base to get to re uh, to put in the lights after the fact and re pour them. So it's not uh, unless you did totally different style of lighting. Yeah, we could. The problem with uh, putting landscape lights outside of that is the problem is in the winter time, all those lights get covered up with snow, and so they don't get any effect at that point. So the re reason that we had the lights into the top of the structure. Is at least you know go through there during the winter time, scoop snow off, and then it'll provide that lighting in the winter time as well as summertime. When it's actually needed, because in the summertime no one's up, that, and the sun is right. down. Exactly. And if they are, they're probably doing something illegal. Yeah. Summer's not that. I'm long. assuming these. <laughs> I, my, I'm assuming these would be tied into uh, to uh, one of those switches yeah. so that when uh, we start, they turn yeah, on when it's yeah, off. Yeah, it's on. And the old photo cell. Yeah. The other um, positive is having, maybe it's me, um, oh, it's you, is flush mounted ones are also, um, in terms of a set tent perspective, um, a much more uh, vandal proof approach than added on afterwards. Wow. I'm trying to add this on afterwards. I paid attention at the workshop. So, uh, the lowest bid right now is what? 60, sorry. 60, approximately 64,000. 
So where did uh, so so where did the seventy fourth seventy five thousand? Uh, it's uh, sixty four is the bid. Oh, I'm sorry. Plus eleven for the pools we already bought. Yeah. Correct. So the total end project cost would be the seventy four. So if we take out the lighting, how much is that going to cost? Okay, sorry, go ahead. So we estimate that between ten and fifteen thousand dollars. <coughs> and I've got uh, a request out to tell me what that actual reduction is. Go back to the contractor to request that. So you're saying it's going to be somewhere between sixty and sixty-five thousand. Correct. Including the cost of the pools. So what else can we cut from this project to bring it into one? That's all we have. Other than the only other option is to remove the center concrete pad, but it really will look unfinished because we'll have the a pole with the treaty eight plaque in the center, and at, at that point it would just be a, a grass or gravel or mulch or some sort of a surface, so an unfinished, potentially unfinished surface. And if we cancel the project, we can sell the poles and get a salvage. Um, I don't know what the return policy is, but <coughs> or use the poles in other places. Yeah, yeah. Museum pole needs to be replaced. It's looking a little past its weather, but that's only one of the five. So you said you want to. So what? What is administration's preference? At this point, if I'm getting slightly mixed reviews in terms of uh, an expense, but even if we look at twenty-nine thousand to increase the budget, that takes out the lighting, um, at least ten thousand dollars for lighting, um, and we could drop it more depending on what that final number comes back. So we're looking at a total project cost, including the poles of $64,000. And we would have to work within that. And where are we going to take these? Operational things? budget. Yeah, that's a big budget. So tell me where. Um, it'll, who's, who's going to have to pay for the? Uh, we will all pay in some way. Um, I will take the bulk of it from our rec and min budget uh, because I have had a position that's been empty for now for <coughs> two. Well, it'll go on at least three to four months before that is filled. So, so there's a minimum of about ten thousand dollars right there. So you're saying we're, we're over over person by one position. We are under because <laughs> the position is empty. <laughs> yeah, but you don't really need it. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> if, uh, your Worship, if, if, so we don't have time to retender this. As, as, as we well. we really don't, no. And, and again, I'm having a hard time. This is a, we bought the poles. The poles are sitting in the town shop. We're going to pour a, a cement pad. And that cement pad is going to cost us sixty-four thousand dollars for gob of cement. Well, it, the design includes an aggregate look, and it's a raised wall that the flagpoles will sit on. So, so it, it has some it's intricacy. More than just a gob of cement. Yeah, that's yeah. 
it's not just a round circle slab, which probably increased the costs on us because of the, the, the slight raised wall. And yeah. there's no local concrete Vaz to Boon kind of guy that can do this at $35,000? This is local concrete guy. This is a local bid. They are all local. We just went and got local quotes. Yeah. They're all local. I mean, if it was if it was a any other town asset, we would we wouldn't be having this conversation. It would be being redone. Don't don't take the money of the multiplex. That's all I can say. Why, uh, why, why don't you think we have time to retend? We need to have this in the ground when flag pulls up, ready for flags the week prior to the event. I don't want to be doing the pouring concrete the week of June 18th and the events on June 21st. We can postpone the event. Uh, sort of sent in bites out already <laughs> to a significant number of invitees. How many stamps did you put on envelopes? At least $75,000 worth of stamps? No. So it's Indigenous Day, National Indigenous Day, too. So. Maybe we'll charge an admission that day. Who wants to make a motion? I will. Worship, I put a motion on the floor to adopt option one as presented by the administration. And option one is the full 74,000? Yes. Okay. And you can take my money from uh, not going to FCM. So. It's 500 bucks. What's that? It's 500 bucks. Thank you. One night, yeah, there you go. Yeah, but because you don't go to FCM, you won't, you're not going to uh, convince the Quebecois to put another pipeline through their, through their uh, province, and now the whole province is going to be down a couple of billion dollars. Well, that pipeline needs to go west. If I, we have time to make comments before voting, um, given that it's a monument in the amount of time that it's going to be there, um, is is going to be hopefully another hundred years so would be a shame to uh, look at what could have been um, and Ms. Bell maybe just doesn't find someone for another couple months longer and she'll look back on the extra work that she had to do while holding off on hiring that person and think it was all worth it when those flags are illuminated Right, as a beacon of hope to all who work in our valley. Remind me of that conversation two months from now. I will absolutely <laughs> do that. End of your recommendation. Okay, anyone else want to make a comment? Okay, all those in favor? Thank you. Make sure you get that on Facebook. Is it good to Okay. Information. No. Uh, reports. Mighty Peace Watershed Alliance. Ms. Manzer. Uh, their annual general meeting is uh, coming up uh, May 24th at Saw Ridge, starting at 9 o'clock. Everyone's welcome. If you wish to go, you would uh, fill out a 
a form and email it in. And um, they have a couple of speakers lined up, so it could be interesting and informative. Andrew Paul, who's a fish and wildlife person with um, Alberta Environment and Parks. Something about the history of environmental flow management in Alberta. And the other one, Tim Heron from the Northwest Territories Métis Nation, Health and Water and its Connection to the Ecosystem. Starts at 9 o'clock and goes till about 4 o'clock. Maybe the Smoky River Express will cover that. Yeah. <coughs> okay, all in. Uh, uh, so, what do you want out of this? Uh, the, uh, an enabling motion or anything? Nothing, eh? Uh, just information. Okay. Okay, uh, Mr. Good, all in favor? Made a motion to accept the information. There's also an informational letter from Cold Shot regarding support for particle and parcel, parcel and passenger services. So, Mr. Mayor, on this one, I noticed in their second last paragraph, the second last sentence. It says, we rely heavily on local customers and would like to be listed in as many local directories, newspaper, and websites as possible. Um, do, um, I guess, commercial businesses such as this get listed in the Peace River directory of things? <coughs> so there is no real, um, like, internal town opportunity. Okay, thanks. Unless they're a not-for-profit company. Okay, um, just motion to uh, accept for information. Mr. Ford, all in favor? Any notices of motion, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Any comments from the public? They left. And uh, key communication items. Uh, <coughs> Ask the media from Smoky River if they uh, there's any items that they need clarification on. I think uh, you addressed everything. I was wondering about on um, the offsite levies, the idea of winners and losers with different developers, and I think you guys covered that pretty well. So I'm I'm satisfied. Great. Anything that you think we need to uh, stress, resume? I just have offsite levies on the tax rate, and the tax rate we've got a notice going out shortly, so that should be. And don't forget the challenge to yes. all the reeves. It's and already out on Twitter. Have we got any uh, any feedback yet from Ms. Kolobama or uh, <laughs> Did you Mr. Uh, <laughs> or uh, nothing yet or or Terry Ongarian? You meant to include former mayors and reeds as well, did you not? Uh, Maybe it would be a good idea for you to issue that challenge as well via your email to a list of CAOs, reeves, and councillors. Uh, okay. Yeah. And um, or Councillor Ford has uh, reminded me we have the Lock It or Lose It campaign coming up this weekend as well. So. A what? Lock It or Lose It campaign. 
the crime prevention initiative, the police will go around, I believe some members of the fire department, um, they look into cars to see if they are crime safe or not. And then if you do a good job, you get a little mark on there. If you did a bad job, you get marks on where you can improve. <laughs> it's a it's a program that they put down south with great success. Yes, no financial penalties. So no. zero cost initiative. What if it looks like a crime already happened to your vehicle? <laughs> <laughs> like you left a child in it, then the police will be able to. Okay, very good. And I guess just to let uh, council know that the uh, the septet presentations went off. Uh, uh, fairly well, we were able to engage approximately uh, 60 people throughout our communities. Great, good. Okay, we will adjourn for, uh, well, we'll uh, break for five, ten minutes and come back for uh, a number of camera items.